Do you want to look handsome as fuck? Well, then you should try Combat Comb Over for your hair and your face and your beard. And then once you have all that additional swagger, you need something to carry it around in. Use the Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. And while you're uh, carrying that Nut Ruck, you should also remember to keep yourself as fresh as possible because you never know what might happen when you're looking that good. So keep yourself some body powder from Hollywood Powder Company. Use our discount code SMOKEPIT on all of our sponsors to save yourself some money. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. What up, doe? Thank you guys so much for bearing with us during this uh, crazy time. I know this uh, the season has been a little nuts, but we have some treats in store for you guys. We always bring you treats. Uh, specifically, we're, we're still working on this, but we've been looking into how to shoot film in virtual reality. So if you have the free uh, Google uh, Cardboard headset or if you have like an Oculus or something like that... Um, Hopefully for the second half of the season, we're going to start recording in virtual reality. And so, you know, you can actually come have a beer with us and uh, watch an episode uh, in person. Or have a couple of beers first, so it makes this the experience a lot more surreal. <laughs> makes us a lot more funny. Makes us a lot more interesting, and it makes us look thinner in the video. Oh, for sure. And uh, speaking of uh, being interesting, I... Um <laughs> I have been trying to reach out to more of the uh, the guys and gals that I've served with recently just to check up on them, you know. I uh, I kind of have my nose to the grindstone with the social media and sometimes I'm I'm a bit of a bad friend about that. And I've I've realized that now that I've, you know, been removed from the military for a little bit, you know, I'm 35 now. It's kind of a mixed bag as what you get as far as like what you're going to learn about these individuals that you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years. So I've been on some of those calls and I still have contact with some of my old buddies. Yeah. And the the thing is, it's it's always a, a six to five and pick them, whether they turn like they stay the way they were when they were Marines yeah. or, or whatever, or they revert back to their pre-military uh, days yeah. and turn into hoodlums again. Or if they just go the complete opposite direction, they're like, the Marine Corps thing was good, but let's crank it up to a thousand. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I noticed that it's uh, kind of two polar opposite ends, and then they fall somewhere on the spectrum where they're either um, just addicted to cocaine and they're on some uh, ship in the, the off the coast of Africa just defending freighters from pirates or they're uh, have like a joint Facebook account with their with their wife and they're taking pictures and sweaters you oof. know <laughs> big oof matching sports jerseys with custom logos on them I mean <laughs> I, I think that's kind of cute if they're if they're witty I mean I I know that your your cold desolate heart uh, doesn't facilitate that much romance. Uh, but you know it, it. It is nice when you know you put effort in with your partner, bro. Uh, I'm not gonna name who this is for liability reasons, but I <laughs> I know that there's a particular individual that got a custom jersey made with her her husband, and it says and his says uh, 99 problems on the back, and it says ain't one on the back of hers. Yeah, and I was like, you realize you just called yourself a bitch. Like I know this was your idea because he's not that creative. <laughs> And I was like, that's how dumb you are that you just called yourself a bitch in public. So I think it's, um, it is kind of crazy to see like how different those lives are. Uh, you know, you have the, the dude going to, you know, the PTA meetings and he's got the punch guard at the local Baskin Robbins. And then you have the other dude, uh, you know, who's out on, 
uh, some ship and like they get into a uh, an altercation with pirates and they're just like chucking their their M4s over the side of the barge. Is that guy not allowed to have a Baskin Robbins card? No, he's not. I mean, he's gonna have a heart. It's he, part of the Geneva Convention. No, he's not. I'm, look, I'm just gonna say, if you spray and pray at pirates, you're not allowed within 50 feet of a Baskin Robbins. Like you don't get 31 flavors. That's that's factually inaccurate. You get 31 flavors of depression. Uh, that's factually inaccurate. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> all right. First of all, ship security, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but I know of some examples of which uh, Dan's not wrong. Like you fired the pirates, you you take out their zodiac or whatever, or usually a you know a couple of 55 gallon drums held together with duct tape and hope. Yeah, and, he's got one of those little hand fans. Right, just sticking it in the water to yeah. prepare them, propel themselves. And as they sink with all of their property that they own, which is their one dusty AK forty seven, you know, you've just completely sank them. Then you take your your M four and just huck it off the boat, and go grab a new one, because the liability <laughs> ain't worth it. But I also know of some situations in which you fire your weapon, right, wrong, or indifferent, you're going home, right? Yeah, like that's you, again, you're the liability now, right, wrong, or indifferent. You could save the U.S. ambassador to, to Micronesia. You're going home. That's when you need Baskin Robbins, my dude. Plus, a lot of times you're on military bases or you're going through military bases. Yeah. They all have Baskin Robbins in the chow. No, but that's the cold irony because, like, the one thing that could, like, possibly provide salvation <laughs> is the one thing that you're denied. They're like, nah, just go to Atlantic City and go to the slot machines like a bum. I want to see the guy who goes for the Baskin Robbins after having that kind of a rough day. Yeah. And there's, like, just, like, the little uh, third country national that works for the works for the contracting agency running the chow hall. Yeah. And he's like 80 pounds soaking wet with bricks in his pockets and his whole life is getting paid minimum wage to scoop ice cream for douchebags. <laughs> and you're like, hey, man, I had a hard day. Can I get some of that uh, pralines and cream? And he's like, no. No. I have been ordered not to give it to you because your life must suck a certain percentage. Yeah, and um, I think that is such a, um, a, a blatant misrepresentation of the employees of Baskin Robbins because if Ant-Man clearly taught us anything, <laughs> that having a, a master's degree in mechanical engineering only qualifies you for a job at Baskin Robbins. I'm telling you, it's not to say those guys <laughs> Full don't... Full circle, bam, bam. It's not to say those guys don't er, deserve more money. It's just that they're not going to get it. This is government contracting we're talking about. You get what you get, and that's it. Yeah, and those dudes are just like, you know, they, they've had their uh, their Hemingway moment already. Now they're just kind of <laughs> like bitter to life. And it's, uh, it's very interesting to see how like dudes who have been in this shit for so long and like their fucked up sense of humor compared to like when they get new guys or, you know, you have uh, like uh, guys who are brand new agents for a three-letter agency. You know, they get partnered on some, you know, mission or whatever and... Uh, so I've been hearing rumors that one of the pranks that uh, people have been pulling for hazing recently is, you know, they get these uh, these recent college graduates that are now either an officer or an agent of some sort, and they start telling them about the cold bore theory, which if you do your research on it, is basically saying that the first few rounds that uh, you put through a long gun will essentially won't hold the the same accuracy that the uh, the rounds will later on. It's not so much a difference in accuracy, but it is a difference in shot profile. Yeah. So, yes, because like... Shot profile and accuracy, I'm, I'm fairly sure you could find those as synonyms somewhere. No, like. I mean like a, a, a trained and competent uh, designated defensive marksman or sniper, whatever, depending on whatever agency you work for, they name them different things. But uh, I know part of the FBI and DS qualification profiles are you have to fire your first uh, long-range shot as a cold bore. And you have to hit it. Like, that's the one pass-fail right there off the bat. You don't hit the cold bore, you're done. 
yeah, so they had these uh these these young guys that are out there and they're on these ships and they're like, yeah, man, like, you know, if we get engaged, like you can't just, you know, be in, um returning fire with a cold bore because there's liability and what if you miss and stuff like that. So, you know, we all you know, pop off a few rounds to warm the barrels up. And so you got some of these guys who think they're serious and they walk over to the edge of the ship and they're like, pop, pop. Bro, are you telling me they figure out a way to make a desk pop a real thing? But a boat pop. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking stupid. So, uh, speaking of uh, flaming hot barrels... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> we uh, we found some interesting facts about our uh, one of our favorite aircrafts, the A-10. The A-10 Thunderbolt II, often referred to as the Warthog or a Hog, but it's actually called the Thunderbolt II. The Thunderbolt II. Now, here's the thing that I love, right? So, it's got the General Electric uh, uh, weapon on it. It's basically, they built the weapon first. And then someone was like, what are we supposed to do with this gun? And someone was like, let's build a plane around it, <laughs> which is like the most legit thing ever. So it has the General Electric GAU-8 Avenger, which is a 30-millimeter hydraulically driven seven-barrel Gatling-style autocannon. Now, this thing, the interesting thing about this that I like is that they, the two uh, Rothschild engines on the A-10 produce 41 kilonewtons of forward thrust apiece. Now, because we are in America and we only use our uh, metric system for marijuana and ammunition, what is a kilonewton? Uh, newtons of force uh, or kilonewtons of force, which is thousands of newtons for each number, uh, is equivalent not to horsepower, but it is to um, uh, pounds of thrust. So, <laughs> so when Newton was clapping cheeks, they measured the amount that he would deliver with each clap, and then that's the pounds of thrust that they equated to a, uh, a Newton. Correct. Well, actually, it's incorrect because Newton was a virgin. Correct yourself. That's what you think. <laughs> Nobody said he was clapping human cheeks. Oh, my God. Please continue. I mean, you could get it like a watermelon or whatever. Please anyway, continue. The, the point is, all right, so I've, I found out recently horsepower- Fucking a, a textbook. <laughs> for <laughs> Horsepower is a false equivalence. Like, I thought that was it. Yeah. Because I was getting in a discussion with my boss the other day about his, uh, his, he used to have this purple car. I think it was like maybe a Civic or something. It was like an old beater that he would drive because it's a two hour, two hour uh, round trip to work. Yeah. And I would be driving at, let's say, a speed slightly above the speed limit. And he would come flying by me like a blue thunderbolt. And I would just hear like, <laughs> I would hear parliaments getting flicked out the window as I heard ACDC, like the Doppler effect of a part of an ACDC song and like the plastic on his back window flapping in the breeze. <laughs> and I'm like, how is this not like public endangerment? So I was trying to figure out how fast his car would go in kilonewtons because I wanted to equate that to the A-10. Yeah. And in doing so, I learned that the reason that the A-10 fires its GAU cannon in like very short bursts, like usually one to three second, like yeah, is because the the gun applies forty five kilonewtons of recoil force, which means it's entirely canceling out one engine's forward thrust and some of the other one. Now it only needs eight kilonewtons to get it airborne, but to get a good cruising speed and maintain it, like if they just held the gun open, just burning the barrel out, like that thing would have some serious stall out problems. Now, um, is that factoring if they were like flying wings level, or is this in a dive? Um, I, I'm, I'm not an airplane uh, engineer, so I'm gonna say this. <laughs> I'm gonna say this based on my limited understanding, and and let's get one thing straight. 
Nobody knows why planes fly. There it is. See, when he doesn't know something, at first he scrambles, and then he gets righteous indignation. It's not righteous indignation. It's it's a cool thing. Like we have a theory, <laughs> and I can I can describe to you the theory why we think planes work. Yeah. But it's a theory. We don't know that that's why they work. We can't prove it empirically, a hundred percent. Like it's that's how it does. Yeah. So. I would imagine it's just coincidence that we put, you know, 10,000 planes in the air every day. I, I mean, if the thing works, it works, right? If it ain't broke, <laughs> don't fix it. That's that's why we have tests. Yeah. I mean, look at the original plane. The thing had like 16 wings on it. It was a dude on a bicycle with wings and he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to pedal this bitch till I get airborne." Yeah, we um uh Kitty Hawk down in North Carolina in the Outer Banks. We uh went down there and uh apparently you can just like go walk around where the uh, the first manned uh, air vessel ever took off. Right. So that guy wasn't like, oh, I got to scoop these things back at a certain angle yeah. or it has to have a certain pitch on it. He was like, look, I'm going to put a bunch of balsa wood and, and, and parchment on this thing and see what happens. Just yeet it into the sky. <laughs> exactly. He, he yoked himself into the sky because he was like, uh, I fucking feel like it. Much like your homeboy was yoding himself down the highway and you were trying to discover the kilonewtons of forts of which he balled down the highway. Yes. And that's when I learned that her horsepower is a false equivalency. Ball so hard. Motherfuckers want to fight me. That shit cray. <laughs> so the, I, I would imagine in a dive, yeah. you're still getting the, the the upward force on the on the wings because it's a matter of how much airflow is going over the wing versus under the wing, and the differential in pressure is what pushes it up, allegedly. That's the theory going. So I'd imagine if you're in a dive, you're still going forward, and you're still going at this, uh, a similar rate of speed. You're still getting the same forward thrust, or uh, upward thrust, I'd imagine. Yeah, because ground speed and air speed are, are different. When I when I did the airborne course, they were teaching us that like if you're going uh, with the wind or you're going against the wind, like you're still only traveling the same amount of speed in the air, but then the amount of speed that you're traveling when you impact Mother Earth will change significantly. So that's why it's it's not a good idea to run with the wind when you're about to land your parachute. Yeah, probably not so much. I mean, if you have one of those uh, square canopies with like the the feather soft brakes, then yeah, I've, I've seen dudes like show off with that and just like break right before they hit the ground. But with the round canopies, no, nah, you, you you have to be careful if you want to keep your legs intact. Bro, I saw a dude coming down on, on a jump, and some of his buddies got one of those giant inflatable beach balls. Yeah, and as soon as he was coming down, and they saw his landing path. They put it right in front of him. He f- Man, he went through that thing like a bullet through butter, and it just <laughs> he bounced it so hard, and it fucked up his landing, and he ended up face down. I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, so um, arguably speaking, the greatest thing about the A-10 would be the, the, main, uh, the main gun. I would say that the second greatest thing about it is the uh, paint job that they put on a lot of them with the shark face, kind of modeled after... The uh, the P forty ones like the old World War two style style fighter jets yeah that that's just that's such a baller thing like seeing like the old school pictures of like those planes like imagine you're just like you know a fucking enemy fighter pilot and just this this immensely superior aircraft with this shark face just comes <laughs> in and just fucking eats you it just fucking takes you out of the sky you're like yeah I'm gonna do war against America and America's like. Yo, bet 100,000 planes eat this. <laughs> and because we're America, we couldn't just make the 100,000 planes. We had to make the 100,000 planes and then custom that shit to scare the crap out of people. Yeah, so um, I'm glad that you like that because um, one of these days I was actually planning on taking uh, your truck while you're at work and having the, the shark face uh, painted on it 
So that way it, w- it would look like one of those P41s. I would stab you like it's prison. Why? That's that's a cool paint job. I think it looked good on your truck. It's a cool paint job for a lot of things, but not my truck. But like, it would be better than if I painted, say, like Godzilla's dick on it. I think that would depend on the texture. <laughs> like if you if you walk over there and you have like smooth texture of the matte paint, and then you got like the rough texture, I would assume yeah. of Godzilla's dick. Like, you know, like I I just I, I've been uh, uh, what is it test driving the Ford Bronco Sport. Yeah, and my buddies asked me how I like driving it, and I got in there and I sat down and I looked at I looked at my phone and I hit the button and I said, uh, I think I got a sexual misconduct charge sitting in this thing. Yeah, it is a hot. Uh, a very hot vehicle. Yeah, you paint anything on that, you're getting stabbed like it's prison. <laughs> All right, say you had to pick a paint job to put on it, though. Like, what What would you say? I'm thinking maybe if you kind of, like, painted, like, the lines for the armor plating and the rivets and made it look like a, a warthog from Halo. Like, lesser of two evils. That, that would be... I could be down with that. Or, like, paint the lines on it and have, like... Uh, yeah. Have the whole thing painted like an armored vehicle yeah and then have like uh right behind the tires have like the flames coming on the sides so it looked like that thing was going <laughs> so fast it was on fire like the engines are on fire and i'm coming in hot what if it was painted like a uh, jurassic park jeep Ooh, buddy we we have one of those in the local area yeah. we have a guy he's got the license plates for it like the whole thing is a hundred percent accurate that is baller oh, although <laughs> although not for nothing if you painted the, the the Bronco to look like the, the vehicle from Jurassic Park, yeah. you'd have to paint it to look like the Explorers in Jurassic Park. Yeah, and that not was the cool. Jeeps. Yeah, that would look cool in the '90s. That doesn't look cool now. No, it's like what, like yellow and lime green and yeah. red and shit. Yeah, it's yellow and lime green with the Jurassic Park symbols on it, and it's just kind of this <laughs> of jungle. So we're in agreements that the the P forty one shark face would be the best option for for your your vehicle. No, we're in agreement that the warthog paint job, if one was required, would be the coolest <laughs> for my vehicle. What I'm going for right now is midnight black, right? <laughs> and I'm going to take all the badges off and slick that thing out, and put my call sign on the side of it. What I'm not going to do is put an angry shark face on the front <laughs> of that truck. I um I, I would be very surprised if you didn't end up putting some sort of uh, Marine Corps uh, paraphernalia bumper sticker or something on it. Absolutely not. I don't have it on my vehicle now. I'm not going to have it on a new car. The only two, the only sticker I ever put on my car now, yeah, is when I first bought it. I got like this kind of Greek Orthodox looking uh, painting of Jesus with the halo over his head. And it says Jesus is my homeboy. Yeah. And my uh, my <laughs> my my wife at the time did not think that was funny. And I was like, well, you're supposed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And she was like, yeah. well, yeah. And I was like, well, if he's my homeboy, like I think of him as a friend. And she was like, I know exactly why you put that on there and you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> and then you just cartwheel away. <laughs> yeah, and I just yoked myself through a window. Yeah. It, it was cheap sticker. It fell off. And so the only the only, the only stickers I'm going to put on this one maybe is like, the, like a DOD decal and a DOS decal because I worked for those and then put an EMS decal after it. But I really don't think... I, I'm, I'm taking the badging off of it. I'm probably yeah. going to put any stickers on it. So speaking of Godzilla's dick, we have a fantastic interview with Vincent Rocco Vargas I, coming I up. I cannot say that I've ever heard you do a better segue <laughs> than speaking of Godzilla's dick. Yeah, he um, is... Uh, an actor on Mayans. He's uh, an Army Ranger veteran. He was in uh, the movie Range 15 with Jack Mandeville and Matt Bess and Jared Taylor and you know that whole crew. Which one was he? The handsome one. Uh, he was the one that had the the big dick that was banging the uh, the the hot zombie chick. So yes, the handsome one. Yeah. <laughs> 
so uh, season three of Mayans is uh, is about to pr- premiere. That's the follow-on show from Sons of Anarchy. So make sure you check that out, and I hope you that uh, you guys enjoy this interview. Bye. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. We are back again with Vincent Vargas, who's uh, most commonly known as Rocco, also Big Sexy. And uh, <laughs> uh, for for those of you who haven't seen him on uh, Mayans or uh, range 15 or just all over the internet uh, Vincent would you mind introducing yourself tell our listeners a little bit about uh, who you are where you came from and what you're up to these days yeah um, my name is Vincent Vargas yes also known as Rocco I uh, grew up in Los Angeles Los Angeles California played some college baseball jumped into the military with the second and 75th range regiment did a few deployments there got out uh, got into law enforcement and then during my time of law enforcement I jumped into uh, doing YouTube with Matt Best and Article 15 Clothing. We, we started that. Uh, that went pretty viral. Uh, we, we jumped into Lead Singer's Whiskey. Uh, and then we did Range 15, the Drinker Bros podcast, and so on and so forth. Currently, uh, an actor on Mayans MC and just doing my own little thing. Uh, speaking, writing, music, boom, 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 everything. Well, we, uh, we, we love to see successful veterans. Um making the best of their time after they get out of service. I, um, I, I did an episode of Drinking Bros, um, maybe a little bit, uh, maybe, I think it was close to two years ago now. Wow, time is... What num- okay, yeah, what number? Well, I'll have to look that up, but I, I think it was with uh, uh, JT and Dan Holloway, and um, it, was, it, was, it was a good time. And uh, I, I can't wait to get back out to Texas, but if... Um, if uh, any of you guys uh, haven't seen Mayans, I, I highly recommend it. I believe it was a, a spinoff uh, or um, a follow-on of Sons of Anarchy, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I got very, very lucky to uh, be at the right place at the right time and, and snag that role. Yeah. And uh, we've we've had Jack Mandeville on the show quite a bit, uh, or I've, I've done a, a fair amount of events with him. He's, he's always quite the, the, uh, the fun character. I just saw him maybe um, maybe two months or so ago. I went down to uh, Florida to actually do uh, an airborne course and get my jump wings. And uh, my tailbone still fucking hurts after my fourth jump, so I'm pretty sure I broke it. But uh, <laughs> oh, no way, dude! Don't don't you tell me. You volunteered? Yeah, I um I di- I was doing the fifth jump no matter what. Like I I didn't I didn't care like if I just completely fell apart. I was like they can they can pin my wings and on my casket if, if that's what it comes to. But um, falling out of this, we got super lucky that we got to use the the Huey helicopters for our fourth and fifth jump. Oh, that's which nice. Was, which was 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 pretty pretty awesome. I I got to do that with some really cool guys. But uh, so you were in the uh, the second Ranger Battalion, seventy fifth Ranger Regiment. Yes. So what were you most surprised about when you actually like got to your unit? Because, you know, we, we hear a lot of people talk about the school itself, but unless you're just getting a tab and you're going back, you know, to, you know, whatever regular unit, that's just that's just the doorway. You know, so now you have an entire career that you or an entire enlistment, at the very least, that you have to do in the actual uh, regiment. So what about the unit itself uh, was most surprising to you? Uh, for me, it was the fact that not everyone was an athlete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I grew up uh, 
playing every sport you can think of. I still to this day consider myself an athlete. And I guess visually, I thought everyone in the military would be an athlete. I thought people would be, I mean, you, you think about it, it's just kind of in my head, maybe that's just my misconception. But getting to battalion, you know, we started playing sports. And I think one of the first times we did, we did like combative football, you know, where it's like combatives mixed with football. And half these dudes couldn't catch a ball for, to save their life. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? These are, these are supposed to be Army Rangers. And then you realize, like, oh, no, but they can, you know, they can run uh, an 11-minute two-mile, and they can shoot freaking awesome, and they can carry a rock for a long ways. They just can't catch yeah. a football for shit. <laughs> I get that. Uh, there's, there's definitely guys in, in my unit who are like, you know, they're, they're good for nine out of ten things, but if a grenade needs to be thrown, I'm not giving it to them. Yeah. <laughs> right on so what surprised you the most when you uh started filming uh mayans oh man it's crazy like so my experience before that was range 15 so i mean the budget the budgets on film um is ridiculous and how much money is made or how much money it costs to make film uh and so for me watching everybody's expertise and, and it's kind of like in the military if you want to say you know infantry does the you know the the grunt work and and the mission but we cannot be successful without all the support around us yeah. legitimate on film i mean the actor is just the actor i mean I, I think the writing is is just as important as the directing as the the dp the you know the the director of photography catching the the right moment with the right light as well as you know the right writing and the right directing it's this funny yeah. crazy orchestra uh, that has to come together really well. And I've noticed that through having different directors, um, having different different personnel, how it changes that dynamic on set. And so um, it really is a kind of malleable process that, that can change depending on the personalities working on it. And I've worked on multiple different sets now where I'm like, man, um, I want to have a future in filmmaking and it's really yeah. about building the right team around you to, to create this, this masterpiece, if you will. Oh, that's um, that's that's really uh, really interesting to hear because I, I've kind of come to this mentality where if you do not like a character on a television show, then that actor probably did a good job. You know, oh yeah, they, they they portrayed the character very well. And then I've also come to realize that like some people be like, oh yeah, well you know so and so sucked in that TV show or in that movie. And the the more experience that I have with uh, the backside of the entertainment world the more I realized that it was probably just the writer or the director that failed that, uh, that character, not as much as yeah. the actor, because if you get bad dialogue, you can only act it so well. Yeah. It's an interesting space. And, and, you know, us as actors, you know, there's one of these, these quotes that goes around in our little community and says, there's no such thing as a, as a small role, just small actors. So it's like you take every line you have and you just say it the best you possibly can, even if it's like, <laughs> look, it's the cops. You're like, all right, I'm going to say this the best I fucking can. <laughs> yeah, because if you were actually in that circumstance, like you would the way that you would deliver that line, if it was real life, you know, versus uh, knowing intrinsically that it's just a line in a TV show. Yeah. So delivering that that authentic performance. So, um, again, check out Mayans MC. And uh, we previously had uh, Garrett Jones on the show, and you teamed up with him and wrote a fantastic book called uh, The Sugar Man. Yeah, thank you. And thank so you, I, I listened it to uh, it on audiobook, and you know, we, we were talking about this uh, in our digital green room 
before this about uh, you know how much how much content we consume on uh, on audiobooks. And so you know, thank you to all the listeners who are um, giving us a listen while they're on their way to work or you know why they're in between sets at the gym. And so what I wanted to do was um, very rarely do you get to talk to the author of a book that you enjoyed. And so there is there's a few lines from the book that I wanted to just kind of like ask what you know what you were thinking when when you came up with it or if there was inspiration yeah. behind it. One of the first things I have to ask you is there was a part in in the book where uh, and this this will mostly be spoiler free for anyone who still wants to uh, to listen to it. But there was a part in the book where the uh, the main character was going through a lot and he had a surprise interaction with a child. Uh, that he wasn't prepared for. And he said, I probably look like Shrek on Molly. And I had to pause the book and laugh for like a good 15 seconds before I could resume. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a powerful visual to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know, funny that that line is a, is a jazz. That's, that's a Jones line. He, he yeah. created that right there. Oh man. <laughs> there, there's stuff that I'm like, I don't know, bro. What the hell does that even mean? Because I've never done Molly. <laughs> so that's one of his for sure pieces right there. Yeah, I um, I uh, was was working on a piece where you kind of, uh, you know, you had to accurately portray, you know, how people were on on certain drugs. So I watched compilation videos of like, you know, people who are you know, filmed while they're on various drugs in the club, and so you just have like, from from what I could see, like they had like the really big pupils and like like the very like vacant yet somehow still intense look. And then if you picture like, what do you think Shrek would look like if he was on some sort of hallucinogen, uh, uh, hallucinogenic, it's <laughs> just uh, a very interesting concept. Um, so That's there's funny. another part uh, that uh, in, in the very beginning, the character is talking about his time uh, in the military and his deployments overseas. And he said, I knew if I went down, they would remember me with ink in their skin and drinks in their hands. And that, uh, that meant a lot to me because, you know, I, I do have a, a memorial tattoo on my back uh, for, you know, friends that I lost. And, you know, every Memorial Day, you know, you, you raise a glass. Sometimes you go to a cemetery, clean off a headstone, uh, whatever, whatever your tradition is. So, like, that, that line resonated with me very well uh, or very powerfully. Yeah, it's, it's one of those... Um... You know, I know a lot of the guys who probably read my books and stuff like that are going to be veterans. You know what I mean? And then they, they have a lot of to relate to. But just like you said, uh, our community kind of all experienced very similar uh, traumas in all aspects. But we all have a very similar story when you say it. We've lost friends. And, and how do you handle that? You know, and so uh, throughout this, we wanted to really show the struggles of 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 Dom and, and uh, his own post-traumatic stress, you know what I mean? His own, his own thought process of being a damaged uh, warrior, if you will, throughout yeah. this, and, you know, and this story comes from uh, my, my actual life story. And we've tweaked a lot of the truth into hopefully what would be an entertaining TV series is what the goal is. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. Um, and uh, if if you if you need any extras to get punched by the main character or, or you know be taken out in a warehouse or something, I'm I'm there totally. Uh, I'm not a, a classically trained actor, but I can die in place very well. Yeah, there you go. I'm not I'm not classically trained either. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of funny. Uh, I I'm not sure if, if that expression carries for everyone, but in in the Marines, like when you're doing your your force on force exercise. Um, 
that sometimes like the the point isn't just to see who would win between this group of guys and this group of guys. It's just to play out the scenario and then give them the opportunity to do the follow on objectives, uh, actions on objectives, dead checks, you know, collect um, uh, and exploit the you know the information on site. So sometimes you have to what we call it, die in place, and so you'll you'll either be in a mountain town or in the woods and you'll jump out and you're like ah and you know you blast off a few blanks and they you know return fire and you know, start body rushing to you and then once they get to that certain point you have to like oh, I'm dead you got me <laughs> you got <And> me so, <laughs> so the the fact that um, you know, thanks to 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 the Marine Corps particularly when I when I was at the when I was in Quantico at the schoolhouse there uh, at the basic school you I, I had to die in place dozens of times so. <laughs> having to pretend to die uh, on that many occasions kind of really, really equated you with your own sense of mortality. And then going back to Afghanistan after that, it was just like, okay, so like if I do get blown up by an IED, I know exactly what my last line is going to be before I like have my death rattle exhale, you know? <laughs> yeah. So if I get that part, I'm going to act the fuck out of it just so you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to bring you on board. I have, then, a, um, I have a I have a script I'm working on that I would love to invite you on. Oh, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, let, let's talk about that afterwards. Uh, very excited because I, I'm a bit of a drama kid. I did drama and acting and improv all throughout high school, and I did some improv classes in DC. And uh, anyone who listens to the show knows that <laughs> I have a flair for the dramatic. So there's another part where it says. Um, I've never been the kind of guy women fall over themselves to get, but there's a certain type of girl I swear can smell damage and it pulls them in. Some come to pick your bones clean. Others try to put you back together. And, it, and it's exactly that either, either there to pick it apart or try and put it back together. Right. And so yeah. I think, I think a lot of us, even a lot of our friends through the military is you, you see that uh, pattern often. And you can even tell them that like, ah, bro, I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're going to allow themselves to get fucking stepped through the mud, put the, put, put the pieces or someone there trying to save their life, which is, you know, one could be good. The other one could be uh, damaging. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, um, that there, it takes a special type of girl to uh, be willing to put up with some of the baggage that we bring. And that's not to yeah, say God. that we're unde undeserving of love because, you know, the military doesn't have, um, you know, exclusive rights on PTSD. It could be assault, it could be a car accident, you know, it could just, you know, it, it could be anything. But there, there is something to be said that there, there is a special type of girl who has that kind of, um, like, uh, moral fortitude to be able to see an individual who's been through a lot of trauma and still love them and still treat them like a, like a person versus where when a lot of people would find out that I served, like, you could immediately see the pity in their eyes where yeah. they automatically assume that, you know, you're, you're broken beyond repair. So uh, young Kings out there, if, if you find a girl like that, that's willing to love you despite your bullshit, like wife her up. I'm, I'm just going to say that now. I think I, I've been fortunate enough to find a woman that supports me and, and understands my, my struggles and, and, yeah. and has been, has been pushing me to continue to do what I do. And I think it's a big reason why I'm here and doing what I do. And what was that the zombie from range from 15 or? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely not don't tell her that either she'll stab me in the neck uh. <laughs> so uh what are you working on now then uh you know we're doing mayans mayans is still 
uh, on the radar. We're just the COVID stuff slows things down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that I'm doing a lot of, uh, I'm learning the whole Twitch world. I just did my first Twitch podcast today. I don't even know what that, when I say that, I don't even know what that means, Yeah. but I went live on Twitch and did a podcast. Uh, and I plan to keep doing that. I, I actually have a lot of fun with the engagement with, with other people and communicating with them. Um, we're writing more scripts, man. We're here to produce more movies and, and we're doing a lot of music. Uh, I have about probably 10 more songs that will be released this year. Oh, everything exactly. I do is about, uh, yeah, man, everything I do is about, you know, putting out the work that, that, that I create. So it's a creative. I like to write. I like to, to, to act. And, um, and I'm just trying to put it all together, right? What makes sense. I have a script, like I said, I want, I want you to be a part of it, dude. Uh, I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm working on trying to get the budget together, but I think it is more of a drama. It's not really a comedy, but, but I think well, you, there's I, something in there for you. Take, take your time getting the, the, the logistics set up. They'll give me time to lose another 15 pounds. That way the camera can add it back and I'll just Bro, be it. I'm the same. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me when I say this. Uh, COVID has not been nice to me, but as well as uh, my own lack of motivation and my own love for chocolate, you know what I mean? So I yeah. am my own worst enemy, brother. <laughs> I get that, man. So um, if, if you, you don't know, uh, you can find Mayans on uh, Hulu. Uh, you can actually watch it on YouTube if with a subscription. Um, Google Play Movie and TV also has it for purchase on there. Amazon Prime Video, you can also find it on there. Um, and uh, where, where can they, uh, the listeners find you on social media as well, like your Instagram, your Twitch handle? Yeah, uh, Twitch handle is Vinny Rock, V-I-N-N-Y-R-O-C. That's also my podcast. You can check out my Instagram. I have a Vinny Rock Instagram as well. But uh, my own personal stuff is Vincent Rocco Vargas. You can find it on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and no longer Parlor, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can find me, man. Just visit Rocco Vargas. If you guys have questions about anything, I'm one of those guys that answers every single message that comes through. So hit me up. I'd love to just say what's up. Well, man, I, uh, I appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to, uh, to, to hearing more of your creativity in the future. And uh, thank you for joining us in the Smoke Pit. Thank you, brother.